Hello, and welcome to the Health in Europe podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bianchi. We've launched this podcast to bring in the latest on WHO's work in the European region. Our region is broad and diverse, from the mid-Atlantic and stretching as far as the Chinese border, we work with fascinating and driven individuals and groups. This podcast is about hearing their stories and how they might impact your day-to-day life. Health and care workers are the backbone of health systems and societies around the world. But over the COVID-19 pandemic, they have faced incredibly challenging circumstances. In this episode, we talk with young healthcare workers or aspiring health workers about the importance of investing in their education and professional development. What do health workers do and why should we invest in them? In our region, the healthcare system is the largest employment sector with a workforce of almost 13 million people. Investing in this workforce means investing in better health for all of us. It's the right thing to do. But health workers have struggled in recent years. Even before the COVID-19 pandemic, many countries faced challenges such as a shrinking or aging health workforce, poor digital training for workers and poor retention. Fewer and fewer young people are joining this area for workforce and when they do, in some cases they aren't properly taken care of. We're here today with three young professionals from two different parts of our region. My name is Madalena, I'm 23 years old and I'm a student in midwifery. Actually, it's my last year and in September I have my bachelor's exams and I'm finally, after, I don't know, 30th of uh, September, I'm a licensed midwife, finally. Uh, my name is Shirin Talapiakazi. I am from Kyrgyz Republic. It's located in Central Asia. And I'm a young family doctor who was practicing at primary healthcare level. Hello, I'm Camilla. I'm 36 years old and I work as a doctor in intensive care in a hospital in Rome. Madalina, who is still technically a student, says that investing in healthcare workers means starting from the very beginning, the classroom itself. There are things we can do at these early stages that can have an impact on health workers' careers for years to come. People need specialists who can provide medical care. I think that in Romania, uh, we need to work on the training aspect, especially on the university programme. Um, we need to physically do more when we're at the hospitals for the, the practice and less watching and observing from distance. And we need midwives to teach the midwives, not doctors. So the situation that we have in the WHO European region is very diverse. Thomas Zapata is the regional advisor for the health workforce in the WHO regional office for Europe. He says the latest numbers point to a situation in which there is a difference in the number of medical and nursing graduates across the European region. So as we see, there is a big variability in the production depending on the country. <clears throat> the same situation applies for nursing uh, graduates. We see that Italy has 18, while Switzerland has 808 per 100,000 population. So it's big variability. So then the gaps will depend a lot depending on the country. But that's not the only thing. When we look overall at the health workforce, at the health workers working in the can- in a country, 
there are other factors that we need to take into consideration, like, for example, aging of those health workers, mobility and migration. So at the end of the day, each country will have a different situation. So there's a big difference between countries, but what can countries do to improve or enhance the training of health workers? So in order to improve uh, the situation, the gap of health workers, the first thing is increasing investment in the health workforce. This is in the International Year of Health and Care Workers, and the theme is invest and protect the health workforce. So investing in the health workforce is a critical area. We know that health workers are the cornerstone of health systems, are the cornerstone to provide quality health services to patients. So, and COVID has made this very explicit. We saw how at the peak of the different waves, in some countries there, were, there was a shortage of health workers. So we really need to invest in the health workforce. And COVID is a good window of policy opportunity to really advocate for member states to increase investment in the health workforce. And that investment also implies improving the numbers or enhancing the numbers of graduates of different health professional categories in the countries. A second area of improvement is increasing the quality of education uh, of different uh, professions uh, in, in, the member in, in the member states. So, as Thomas explains, investment in education are key, particularly when faced with emergencies, as an under-resourced health workforce will find it harder to provide the care that communities need. But what about providing training as part of a team that cuts across areas of expertise? And a third important element is what we are seeing is that healthcare provision is rarely anymore about one individual. Now, health workers are working in teams. Therefore, it's critical that during the education period, these students are also trained in a team base. And this is what we call interprofessional education. That means that one doc all doctors, they are not just trained uh, with doctors, but you bring together doctors, nurses, pharmacists, dentists, and you, in some areas, you train them together so they learn to cooperate and they learn to work as a team in the education period so that it will be easier later on when they are providing services to provide, uh, to work as a team and provide more effective services. We know how challenging the pandemic has been on health workers. Starting in early 2020, a new disease began filling up hospital wards, creating long shifts and a huge mental strain on doctors and nurses and their families. The physical and mental toll the pandemic has taken on this generation of workers can't be overstated. I vividly remember the first days of the pandemic as intense, stressful days. These were days when we didn't know the disease. We didn't know about the virus or how it was transmitted. We didn't know the incubation period, so we were literally afraid of this disease. With hindsight today, I realized that the fear was linked precisely to the lack of knowledge that made us practically powerless. Our ordinary work suddenly became extraordinary, different from the usual, which has unfortunately come with lots of tension. For Shirin, the pandemic has brought about many lessons that she hopes we can take into the future. I 
understood that the primary healthcare is the cornerstone of the whole healthcare system because when the, uh, all hospitals were collapsed and somebody uh, and uh, somebody and the patients couldn't uh, enter the hospitals and somebody should take care of them and the primary healthcare workers were included and uh, you know uh, about uh, 70% of the uh patients with covid uh, could uh, could be treated at home and all this burden uh, lay on the family doctors and uh, this uh, pandemic uh, showed that the, our primary healthcare system is very uh, it was very weak and under resource under resourced and uh, I understood that uh, I have chosen uh, a right specialty so I could uh, help people and they had uh, access to the family doctors. In some perhaps less obvious ways, the pandemic has been a challenge for young students studying to become health professionals or even for those considering a career in this field. Witnessing the devastation caused by the pandemic may have led some to question their choice or even switch to another profession altogether. Well, when the pandemic started back in 2020, I was still in my second semester of my third year as a student, and it was a horrid experience, I must say. I wasn't allowed to go to the maternity where I used to go for my practice in the rural area, or to see the future mothers, or to participate at the births of their children. There were situations when the maternity was closed to to the fact that the doctors were all infected with the virus and the mothers had to look for midwives to give birth at home. And where could they search and find since there are not many midwives, almost at all? It's important for pregnant women and new mothers to know that they are not alone. They need to know everyone should, actually everyone should know that um, the midwife is the right person in providing the support for the mother and the baby. For Camilla, the pandemic has been almost an inner revelation, highlighting what it means to be a healthcare worker. A year and a half into this experience has changed our attitude. It's been an experience made up above all by a search for data, information and a living of shared experience. So the way in which we work and coexist with COVID has changed. And so has the way in which, as a health professional, I feel, and I think we all feel. I don't think that the definition of a doctor or a health worker after COVID's arrival should be one of a hero. Instead, I think it's that of a doctor or health worker who is aware of what it means to be a health worker. It's not just a job or a paycheck. It's a way of being. It's our essence. It's an experience that lasts a lifetime. Once we'll have put COVID behind us, or when the situation will really be under control, I hope we can work more on doctors' training. 
COVID has called us to arms, quote-unquote, older and younger health professionals, but especially the younger ones, those who have just entered the health workforce or the medical field. Many medical schools saw students being called to support with data collection, with support to vaccine centers, and were asked to just help with planning and organization inside hospitals. And I think this should become the new normal for young people joining the medical field. The year 2021 has been dedicated to all health workers around the globe for their tireless efforts keeping us safe and healthy. The slogan of this year's campaign has been to invest and protect together. Throughout the year, WHO has been amplifying the voices of health workers like Shirin, Madalena and Camilla, asking them what they would like to see changed or improved in their field. So in the words of health workers themselves, what more can decision makers do? If I were to meet the Minister of Health today, I would ask two things. One personal and one professional. The personal request would be for free time, real time. What I mean by this is that our work is so intense that we often don't even enjoy our time off. This is because shifts are sometimes very concentrated, because there is a shortage of staff in hospitals, and also because our work is multi-layered made up of many aspects, such as the link between the bureaucratic and clinical aspect of our work. Sometimes, our rest time is a time to recharge instead of real rest. On the professional side, I'd like to ask to make sure that in our training and our practice, we start by studying epidemiology in our programs, in all medicine programs, and in the training that comes after. Epidemiology usually comes as a specialization, but I think we should all be trained in it. That's all we have time for. Thank you to Madalena, Shirin, Camilla and Thomas for taking part in this episode. If you'd like to find out more about the Year of the Health and Care Worker, you can do so on our website, that's euro.who.int. You can also find out more about health and care workers during this year's regional committee. Follow the sessions using the hashtag RC71CPH. This episode was presented by me, Greg Bianchi. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.